Dropping bars on a nice <laughs> Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you know, I have this theory that every every white boy goes through the M M&M and M phase at some point, right? And I think every I know black all his, girl too. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome back to the Into the Light podcast for this week's episode. We're super excited to have will evans with us today so excited will thanks for coming on with us today i'm happy to be here so a little bit about will we met will not too long ago actually just in august Mm -hmm. when we moved in right Mm -hmm. um so this is totally stereotyping but when i first met will i was like this kid's definitely from california (laughs) 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 for sure a surfer Plays guitar. Actually, it's probably because I saw you outside playing guitar oh, yeah, on the yeah, yeah. stool. Yeah. Anyways, Will Your neighbors, is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next yeah, to neighbors. Yeah. 32 and 33, baby. Cute. <laughs> but this episode is actually going to be a little bit different than our past episodes because Will is an incredible human being. Um, we're going to get to know him a little bit better throughout the episode, but we want to focus a little bit about healthy habits and just healthy lifestyle choices that li- that Will has chosen and implemented into his own life Mm -hmm. to just, I don't know if making life easier is the right way to say it, but just to like be more disciplined, managed, centered. I want to say present when I think of will, it's about presence, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, will actually Brady, you want to just, yeah, a little bit. So I've been talking for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Will is from Provo, Utah, Chicago, and you lived in Austin as well. And he is here in Provo studying at BYU. Mm-hmm. And what are you studying? I'm a public health major. Public health. Mm-hmm. Pre-med. Yes. Really? And what do you want to become? What kind of doctor? Yeah. So I don't know the specific specialty, but essentially, in addition to like seeing patients, um, I want to be involved in like public health efforts to do things more upstream. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like, oh, all these patients tumble down with these problems to like go to the community and like yeah make fruits and vegetables less expensive or things like that okay i like it i like it um well will thank you so much for coming on i know this is out of absolutely nowhere but the reason why we chose will is because he's incredible speaker and that's all you need in a podcast is to be able to speak well (laughs) i I missed will's sacrament talk a couple weeks ago it was actually (laughs) incredible and the reason why you are invited (laughs) because the way that you phrase things i was like i need to be <laughs> I suck. Oh, I'm glad. That's probably totally what he was going for. Was yeah, shame, yeah, shame, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's shame Freyland. No, that's just how I. That's how change happens uh, in my life. Anyways, um, all right, let's get started. So, you grew up in where? And let's start there. Let's start with your family dynamic. Totally. Your parents. Were you raised an active member of the church? Mm-hmm. All that thing. Okay, super. So um, as far, yeah, so my parents, they met at BYU. Wow. Yeah, got it. It gives um, us all hope, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so pretty much I'm the oldest in my family, so where I live just follows my dad's education. So he was at BYU, and then he did a PhD in economics in at UT Austin in Texas. Hmm. So I don't have a lot of, like, specific memories, but, like, I remember – like what Rudy's barbecue, like we go there often. Um, Like we bring back uh, bottles of sauce from there. So I lived in Austin from ages three to eight. 
And then most of my growing up was in Provo, so like age eight to age 15. And then when I was 15, I remember this specific night. I had had an awesome time with the cross country team. I had like on the bus ride home, I had talked with this girl I was really interested in. And then I came home and my parents were like, we're moving to Chicago. <gasps> oh my God. So, so my, exactly. I was like, ah, oh. so my junior and senior year, we lived in a suburb outside of Chicago, Illinois called Frankfurt. Okay. So Frankfurt, Illinois. Yes. And you lived <laughs> there until you were out mm-hmm. of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So junior and senior year, I was there. And then I did a summer semester at BYU and then did a freshman year um, and then served my mission. And then I've come back and I'm here today speaking on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what kind of role did the church play in your growing up years and how, did, oh, how was it implemented in your family life? Oh, man. Yeah. And especially I think it's um, I had a real advantage being the oldest child. You know, your parents like they put in a lot of effort. So both of my parents like came from families where the gospel was very prominent. So my dad, like his, I think my grandpa, my dad's dad was a convert to the church, but like, like the church was a big part of his life. So it was a big part of our life as a family. My mom, um, same thing with her. She grew up in Detroit and it, so totally like, you know, did scripture study every morning, did family home evening, um, and yeah just like always went to young men's always so yeah i like of course as you grow older and you reflect on it you're like oh my gosh like how grateful am i for that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so totally just had this huge advantage of two parents they both served missions and were great examples to me so the church was always a really big part of my life growing up was a mission always in your plans growing up yeah yeah so my dad he served in in uh in Rome. So like what he would often say would be like, Oh my gosh, everything was incredible. Like the food, you know, the, the people, the sites, everything was incredible except for the missionary work. So of course I like grew up, (laughs) I grew up with like, yeah, yeah. With like all these stories of like, Oh, we went so hard and, and no one wanted to talk to us. So yeah, definitely like going on a mission was always a plan. Just knowing that that's like something you do, Mm -hmm. but also knowing that like, Oh, like the gospel makes me really happy. So yes, it was always mm-hmm, it was always a plan. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about you were called to the Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. Is that what the mission's called, Ivory Coast? Yeah. Mission so or? it's the Cote d'Ivoire Abidjan East Mission. So Cote d'Ivoire wow. is just like a French way of saying like Ivory Aaron, we'll Coast. we'll pull up a map for you. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Most right. people have been to Africa. <laughs> yeah. <now>. yeah so. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's just right next to Ghana in uh, Western Africa. So. That's it awesome. was cool. I actually do remember. So I was in Helam and Halls my freshman year, um, which is, you know, just like the big dorm at BYU for pre-mission yeah. freshmen. And I remember like just starting like January of my freshman year, like people were starting to get mission calls and I would go to the mission call openings <laughs> and and like you you realize like, oh, shoot, like if you get a foreign mission call, everyone cheers really loud. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember like before getting my mission call, like being stressed out, like, oh, my gosh, you know, what if I don't go somewhere cool and no one cheers and, you know, it's all so meaningless. Um, Imagine opening Orem, Utah, <laughs> <Will>. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, so I got called to the Ivory Coast and that was um, super cool. Awesome. And then I got... Um, after COVID hit, 
which was halfway through the mission, I got reassigned to St. George when my family lived in Provo. So that was a cool experience <laughs> okay. as well, to be super close. Yep, yep, yep. That's wow. awesome. So how long were you in the Ivory Coast mission? Um, nine months. So it was like a good amount of time to like really feel like you're like beginning to get a handle on things. Mm -hmm. And like I got to train and stuff when I was in the Ivory Coast. And then, yeah, just one night we got the text from the zone leaders saying, and it was kind of out of nowhere because we had like no access to like media. Yeah. Like it was just like calls from my parents that were like, oh yeah, like Tom Hanks has COVID or oh yeah, like the NBA is shut down or general <laughs> conference, you know, is not going to happen in person. I was like, what? This is so weird. And then, yeah, it was just totally out of nowhere. And it was like one of those things where you get the call from the zone leaders and it, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like what's going on? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How was how was your first? Let's talk about your first nine months of your mission. Yeah, you yeah, went yeah. to Africa. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I just came back from Africa, and it's a culture oh, shock so for jealous. sure. So how how did you adjust? How was well first adjusting to missionary life as oh, hard totally, in itself, yeah. but then in a completely different culture and lifestyle of these people, mm -hmm. and, and then having French. to speak yeah a completely different language. Like how was how was your adjustment period? Oh well, it was just flawless <laughs> without bumps. No. yeah yeah so one cool thing is um i think everyone who serves a foreign mission maybe says this but i think i kind of unnaively say this is that i think we had a really unique mission culture in that like like there were interesting dynamics between like the american missionaries and the african missionaries so i remember i read a blog post of a missionary an american missionary elder devinier who was in the Ivory Coast at that moment. And it was really cool to read his blog post because it's like a theme that I saw. So I was like, oh, I'm excited to go out and like change everything <laughs> and make everything perfect. You know, is that like, oh, shoot, there is totally this tension between American missionaries and African missionaries. Mm. And, and just reading about the like details of his blog post, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like well, you know, that seems so unnecessary. What's the problem with that? So I remember I arrived at the Ghana MTC, which was super awesome. Yeah. It was like 120 missionaries, probably half and half African and American. And I remember just having the mindset of like, if that's the bottleneck to missionary work right now in the Cote d'Ivoire Abidjan East Mission, then I'm going to do my best to just like be present, make myself available, you know, not be pretentious or anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the coolest and most rewarding experiences I had was just trying to shed every ounce of pompousness and privilege and entitlement and large and in chargedness um, and just communicating like we are equals, right? And yeah. I do not see myself as better than you. So, um, so I think that was really like a big focus while I was there in the Ivory Coast, and I had a lot of cool experiences, like like trying to live that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that resonates with me so well because it was very very similar in the Philippines where I served. I wanted to ask though, what were some of the ways that you were able to put yourselves on equal ground? Totally, totally. So, um, <laughs> so I remember when I got to the Ghana MTC, one thing I started doing, so I had this great advantage where I had taken French for five years before serving and everyone at the Ghana MTC either spoke English because they were from Ghana or the United States or Nigeria, or they spoke French. Mm -hmm. And so I actually could communicate with everyone, which was really nice. And so I would just like kind of plunge myself and as opposed to talking with like 
the other kids from northern Utah who also played tennis and ran cross country, you know, yeah. and just kind of like, like hubbing up um, was just making a real effort to like sit apart, like almost sit away from all the other white kids <laughs> and, and just and just like totally just like be present and ask about um, their culture um, whenever we would exercise, I would try to like run around with, with everyone from the Congo and from Ghana and Nigeria. Um, and I think like the biggest thing was just like not taking yourself so seriously. Hmm. Cause I feel like, yeah. you know, Especially in the MTC. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and obviously like I was obedient and such, but I think the biggest thing was just being willing to like joke around and showing that like we're close enough where I can like make fun of you because you forgot so you, you know as opposed to like kind of this like coldness so well, is, yeah i was just gonna say this is just like relationship advice gold because <laughs> and the mission you have to you have to really learn how to get along with people that yeah. you probably wouldn't usually get along with and totally. i think being able to make ways to make sure that you are on equal ground with everybody around yeah. you that is that is connection 101 right totally totally I think especially with a different culture that you are sent to serve, it it's it's hard when you don't like understand that culture, right? Yeah. Like I even though I served in Utah, I served Spanish speaking and I yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it's a completely different culture than just regular American culture here in the US still, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so navigating those relationships within my companionships, but also oh, totally. within the people I'm commanded to serve. And it's yes. like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a difficult thing because you're trying to understand, but you're also trying to love, but you're also trying to teach. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So it's like that dynamic trio that you never really satisfy one. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, that's so interesting. Like you have to sacrifice one. It's like the classic college, like, Oh, social life, sleep or health. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. How was, how was, um, when, when you got to, where, where was your Cote first d'Ivoire. era? Oh, my first area. Yeah. Like, is it, uh, it was called Bassam. Is it countries? That is the Ivory coast mission. It's one country. It's one country. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, <laughs> cut this out because I'm sitting like, already. So like, <laughs> who's the very, governor? Very, very <laughs> less geography questions are my favorite. Okay, I would have asked the same thing in, in your defense in this situation. Uh, yeah, this is different you. from the whole Malaysia Thailand one that we had earlier. Whatever, <laughs> we're cutting all this out. I'm just saying. Um, so you went to what is it called? Uh, the Ivory Coast, my first area was called Bassam. Bassam. Mm-hmm. And you get there and you get your trainer. And mm-hmm. how was your experience from the get-go? Oh, yeah, totally. So, I, I mean, I, like, I've always been like a, like a type A, diligent, study the night before type of person. And so, I, and of course, I grew to not do this. But you can imagine the type of trainee that I probably was. Like, oh, my gosh, like, it's 9.05, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. So, so... I, I had an awesome trainer, and one thing that I absolutely loved specifically about a lot of African missionaries was their knowledge of and focus on the scriptures, specifically the Bible, because that was like a huge way we taught, and obviously I was like, um, I know, First Nephi 3.7, I will go and do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. that does you no good. So I remember one thing I absolutely loved about my trainer and about, frankly, like Sunday school in Africa was a focus on the scriptures, as opposed to like in the United States, you know, how most Sunday school discussions are like, this reminds Reminds me of scout camp and yeah. I had this warm feeling <laughs> yeah. yeah, and not that that's bad yeah. to talk about feelings but <laughs> it totally brings like a spiritual power into the room when it's like 
in Doctrine and Covenants section 132, it talks about, you know, the nature of the spirit. And um, I, I just remember like just writing down all these scriptures that he knew and, and the clarity with which he taught mm. the restoration. And um, so, so my trainer, oh my gosh, was so awesome. Was that a good segue into teaching about the restoration, their knowledge of the Bible? Oh, totally, yeah. Like, I remember it, like, as it blows every young missionary's mind, like, what? It talks about the restoration mm-hmm. in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I just think it's it's very helpful, especially among a culture like the Hispanic culture. Oh, they have a yeah, very yeah, strong Catholic background. And mm-hmm. so talking... Talking to them about who God is and who Jesus Christ is, it's like I don't really need to set a foundation. They got it. Like yeah, they no, understand definitely. Christ. They understand him on a really personal level. He's very much a person to them. Totally. So that's not something I had to focus on. I didn't have to focus on like the Bible being true. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they yeah, knew yeah. the Bible they, was they true. Had that. So that was kind of the same in Africa too. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and haha, we're on a podcast. So um I feel like they did treat missionary work a lot or like missionaries a lot, like listening to an interesting podcast. Like if we were like, mm. Oh, bonjour, nous sommes les missionnaires, they're like, Oh yes. You know, like speak to us like the word of God. Like we'd absolutely love that. But then as it is with everyone, it's like getting a second appointment, keeping commitments. Mm, it's kinda yeah. like dating in Provo. Amen to that. So Something that I've kind of, I mean, this is just a thought that I've had throughout the last little while, at least college life, and I'm sure some people will relate to this, but I feel like once we get comfortable and feel confident in a certain area of our life, something usually happens. God usually puts something in our lives that Mm -hmm. makes us uncomfortable again. So you said nine months into your mission, COVID hits. You're probably very comfortable with the language at this point, especially with your five years of previous um, schooling plus teaching plus training you're very comfortable where you're at geographically totally COVID hits what are your what are your thoughts yeah so like very honestly like one of the first thoughts so um we had like a pretty darn fractured mission culture as far as like obedience and I remember like very honestly thinking like man I cannot wait to do like companionship study you know mm. or, or just like a lot of these basic things that i i see it in the district and the missionaries look so happy you know yeah. and i just i've not done that i've never gone out on time mm. um uh, m- mostly for for reasons of companions and so i remember being very excited but then when i got home like totally this like imposter syndrome like when you're going down the escalator to like say hello to your family you're like i do not feel qualified to do this at all yeah. and i remember coming home and the stake president he like released me and then he was like like imagine like a missionary nine months into your mission he's like okay i'd like you to report on your mission and what you learned and internally i was like it was really hard <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like maybe you should talk to someone yeah. um and so i was yeah so i was home for four months which was a really long time and for two of those months i had no idea how long i would be back at home um and so i was kind of with my family like obviously i got to talk with a lot of um i got to talk with a lot of extended family members but it was really interesting to come home and to feel like, I don't feel like I can give some incredible mission experience story. You know, like, mm. I feel like I don't, I what like, I tried my hardest, but like, didn't really have a lot of like, me and my companion were both 
like crazy obedient experiences. Mm. I don't feel like I had someone where it was because of my contribution. You know, I, I specifically reached out to them and, and, you know, through the spirit was a huge agent. And so I remember like feeling really like kind of insecure when I was back home and almost super anxious to like, just go out and have a clean slate Mm -hmm. and to, to go out and serve again. And it was, and I had an opportunity to do that. They called me again (laughs) to go out. (laughs) And you went to St. George. Yeah. So my family had moved from Chicago to Provo and I like other people in my MTC batch were like, Oh, we're going to Washington DC. (laughs) <laughs> or oh, we're going to California. And then the stake president called me and was like, oh, you're going to St. George. And I totally laughed because I was like, oh, my gosh, that's two hours south of where I live right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, or a couple more than that. But, yeah, so I served the second half in St. George, Utah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we will not have Utah Mission slander on this yeah. podcast ever. <laughs> no. um, because not, Utah missions are the best oh missions. Oh my gosh. Can yeah. I just say, I live in my mission now. That's how great it was. <laughs> um, You're in Provo, right? I was in Orem. Okay, nice. Yes. Okay. So how was the difference of companions from your Kong, your Ivory Coast mission? Yeah, to- yeah, yeah. So all of my companions were Congolese in the Ivory Coast, um, except for my trainee at the very end, who is from Salt Lake. Um, and so it was very interesting because there wasn't, you know, there was always like four layers of like language culture and there's always like you have to keep in like millennia like you have to keep in mind like hundreds of years of like racism and colonialism like as you're talking just to be like extra sensitive and so i do remember feeling like things were peeled back Mm -hmm. like like i could like you know you know like oh shoot we have like a lot more in common so Mm -hmm. that was interesting but it was like nevertheless still like a great growth experience like i remember when i got to the mission home at St. George, and I was going to see my my first two companions, and you're like, oh, shoot, what are they going to be like? I hope they're super hardworking and, and just, like, dynamic and, and crazy and, and just, you know, spiritual powerhouses. And I remember when I saw <laughs> – so I was put in a trio, and I totally judged my first two companions, like, by – like, judged a book by its cover. Like, the way I would describe them was, like, C-3PO and R2-D2. Like, one was a little lanky, and one was, like, a little a little shorter. And they were totally like the most quirky guys. But looking back on it, it's like such a life lesson in that like when I first saw them, I was like, oh, oh, you know, okay. But it was the beginning of like the most consecrated, forget what day it is, missionary miracle, like every day, Mm. three months of my mission. So it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I think that's important too. I mean, I, I've spoken to the missionaries that I went out with to the Philippines about the companionship dynamic. Cause it is, it is hard. That's probably easily probably top three hardest things about a mission. At least that yeah. we, that I personally <laughs> experienced going to the Philippines was trying to get over that companionship dynamic, but yeah. that's interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. For, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Struggle with any <laughs> 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 angel. Flipped her out of her bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. You know. That's funny, actually. But um, we wanted to talk about because the thing that really, I mean, knowing Will, I'm more of like a surface level up mm-hmm. to this point that stands out is 
just the control that he has over his own life. Yeah. And we can call it discipline. We can call it presence. We can call it whatever it is. But I'd love to hear a little bit about the little habits, rituals, lifestyle choices that you choose every day yeah. to live the healthy life that you do live. And also how your mission has influenced that yeah, or not. Yeah, totally. Because totally. for me it has, but I know some totally. other people, they're like, no, nope, my mission did nothing for me okay. habit-wise. Okay, nice. I don't know. Just something that came to mind was like a week ago, I'm starting a medical assistant job at work and it's on the job training. So it's actually really stressful and I feel like a trainee missionary. <laughs> and we have a bunch of like chips like that's the only food that's available so like last wednesday i had like five bags of doritos so let me tell you <laughs> healthy eating <laughs> it's really important okay yeah so in the ivory coast i've kind of known this most of my life that like oh i think my mood is really affected by the food i eat mm -hmm. and i've always been someone who like eats a lot and i remember like totally realizing like wow i'm like feeling kind of sad because i ate the same chicken and rice and tomato sauce like every day and, and and like it's not very nutritious like i'm not getting a lot of vegetables so i remember and but i remember just totally being like there's nothing i can do to change it like mm -hmm. as far as like m like missionary support funds like we can't just buy like a bunch of fruits and vegetables like like we kind of just got to go like rice and chicken and so i remember thinking to myself like oh my gosh when I have more resources in the United States, I'm going to be so diligent about my food because it does make a difference. So on the mission, um, I started preparing my meals and meal prepping. So my trainee who he wanted to be, he wants to be like a major league soccer or if I'm assuming there's a better league than major league soccer, but he wants to be a goalie. Um, and he would say, oh yeah, I would meal prep. So I would every two weeks i would just get together with a friend we would take four hours we'd prepare all our meals and it would just be ready and that totally struck a chord with me because i'm someone who loves to to exercise and eat right so starting in saint george i would meal prep my meals and my kind of go-to meal that i started in saint george and i have since consumed probably like no joke like 300 times <laughs> in the last year um is chili so my big thing was like getting unsalted, no salt added tomato sauce, tomato paste, like no salt added beans. And then you can add as much meat as you want in there. You can add as many vegetables or zucchini or, or sweet potatoes or whatever. And you can make it as filling as you want. And it takes like an hour to make like a week's worth of chili. So it, awesome. I, yeah, sorry. I, so I need that it, oh my gosh. <laughs> So I was speaking on fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, break the fast is soon. Um, so, so I, I developed a, a meal prepping habit and I totally like, as of right now, I feel like that's the way to go. Like it's so just to this day, like I get home from church, I take like two or three hours to do it. But I mean, it's super satisfying to just like put in all your like meal prepped containers in mm -hmm. the freezer and know like, oh yeah, I'm going to be able to eat these. Um, and it's also cool cause you can go and you microwave them at different places on campus and it's kind of a nice like conversation starter. Like when you're there at the microwave and you see someone else and you're like, Oh, you also like <laughs> go to great lengths to prepare your food. It's like, you know, that like says a lot about someone. And so, 
you know, you can use it in the making friends alley. You can use it in the dating alley. You can use it in the networking alley. So it's a I, triple win. I love win. that so much. <laughs> I love that. the way to everyone's heart. To- oh, my gosh. It's a connection piece. Totally, yep. totally. Totally is a connection piece. That's hilarious. I love that. What other habits have you developed since? being home from your mission yeah um so i remember being in the ivory coast and so we had like the what's it called not a smartphone like a brick phone you know just like just like a really simple phone and i remember coming home and just being very aware that like oh shoot i haven't listened to spotify in like nine months or like oh shoot i haven't checked instagram before going to bed for a really long time so one interesting thing is I've actually been locked out of my Instagram since coming home from the mission, just because like I changed phone numbers, so I can't <laughs> unlock it with my old phone number. Yep. <laughs> so that's, I don't know, maybe that's made me a happier person. <laughs> but I've made a serious effort to try to be like as present as possible by oftentimes leaving my phone places. Um, so like if I'll go to the library for the day, like if I know that I have no other business besides work and studying, then I'll leave my phone at the apartment or I'll leave my phone in a locker at the library. And a lot of times, like when I think about it, you know, I'm like, oh shoot, well I'll miss a call or there'll be, I'll be some inconvenience to someone. But I feel like when you add up the pros and cons, the pro of having your mind just 10 times more still during the day Mm. and being less anxious from checking social media or checking mutual or whatever. Like, I feel like that totally outweighs like, oh shoot, like someone asked me for an assignment. They can ask someone else, you know? Mm. I don't know if that's heartless of me or like, but but no, I, I have totally felt that leaving my phone places and being able to bear the inconveniences that come with it has has totally helped me to, to think clearly, mm-hmm. to be more present with people. Um, and yeah, I would totally, I would totally recommend it. It's very interesting because I'm addicted to my phone. <laughs> I love my phone. And, but I, I really do realize when I'm on my phone more for like, things like tiktok or instagram versus when i'm on my phone for like the gospel library app or i have a book that i'm reading or i'm calling my mom or you know what i mean like the different things that i do with my phone if i am consumed in one versus the other my happiness level is completely dependent on that totally and it's horrific it's horrific that this little thing has so much power over someone's emotions yeah it's crazy it's It's very sad well how have you noticed your interactions with other people have either improved or I don't want to like lead the question, but I'm assuming that they have improved since you put this focus on being present. So how have you noticed that? Objection leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, they've improved. Um, So I remember (laughs) thinking like the biggest thing I thought was like, well, I won't be in the know when one of my friends gets married or I won't be in the know when someone like posts something on a Facebook story to go meet somewhere and I'll miss out on things. But I I don't know. I feel like an overall thing is, not that all my friends on Facebook are unimportant to me, but I feel like, yes, when you, like, I also don't have social media on my phone, so I feel like, yes, when you take Facebook and Instagram off of your phone, like, yeah, your connection to your high school friend does weaken a little bit. I feel like it does put things in perspective, and it's, you. yeah, you definitely become closer with the people that you're closest around. One other positive thing is that I feel like 
I notice more funny things during the day because I don't have my phone. Because you know, like when you when you like yeah. like when you're telling something something funny you saw on Instagram or Reddit or whatever, and you're like, oh, I saw on Reddit. Like that's a little bit embarrassing because that admits like, oh yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot or I'm on Reddit. Mm-hmm. But I've actually loved coming home to the apartment having not been on social media. And the funny things I noticed are like, oh my gosh, I was in the library and you know, behind me there's this, there's this conversation and I couldn't help but notice it. Like you're gonna notice a lot of things whether you're on social media or in real life. And I, I don't know, it makes me so happy to like have all these stories that I noticed during the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it feels very like, I feel like Mr. Rogers from yeah. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, very <laughs> also, your your human connection is more facilitated. Oh, totally. Through actual human connection, not just through a screen. So totally, yeah. Okay. Well, can we say as well? I mean, personally, this is going to be a complaint moment. Okay, I'm just calling that out in advance. This is a complaint moment. <laughs> I think one of the main things that drives away connection in our modern day world is having a conversation with somebody. And having them pull out their phone in the middle of the conversation, uh, yeah. no matter what it's for, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be a call, a text, email, notification of whatever it is, mm-hmm. I don't think anything drives connection away more totally than pulling out your phone and telling the yeah. person as Will pulls out yeah. the phone, <laughs> <laughs> Raylan's phone, so disconnected. <laughs> but it's like, yes. but it's like, you immediately totally. know that the person that you thought was paying attention to you has a higher priority than you totally. at that moment, yeah, right? True. Totally. Question, did you have social media on in your COVID part of your mission in St. George? Yeah, we had Facebook okay. and we used it to post things. I don't know. Like when I got to St. George and it was like, oh, we make Facebook videos. Like I did make a video with my companion. He was, he was awesome. He was super quirky. And he ate 24 potatoes in the space of like <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> and so thinking back on it, like, hey, we can do this. Come talk with us. <laughs> so, so, so we did. And like, uh, and like there was like a mission initiative to post about gratitude. And so I have a bunch of stuff on my Facebook. Like, oh, I'm so grateful for like all the th- little things you're grateful for as a missionary. Yeah. I was like, I'm grateful for this orange. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but I would not say it was like our biggest finding tool. But yeah, yeah. we had Facebook. Okay, just curious. Yeah. We, we had a huge initiative in my mission with Facebook, and it helped that our president was a marketing guy. Like ah, that's what he did for his nice. profession. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't all the cheesy, quirky things, because he was not have, having that. <laughs> He's like, absolutely not. You I didn't learn how to play the ukulele no. and sing I'm no. a child guy. <laughs> but I was just curious what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's that's such an important thing, because presence is something that I feel like is missing a lot oh, totally. sure. in today's world. And the number one culprit, at least in my mind, is cell phones, mm-hmm. social media, technology in general. I've noticed one of my friends that I go over to somewhat regularly, his house, him and his wife, um, they don't have a TV in their family room. Yeah. And so like when you're sitting there with them, you have no other choice but to talk. Talk, yeah. <laughs> totally. Right? And so totally. It, there's not the distraction of like, Oh, we're going to jump from this superficial conversation to whatever's on the TV back to the superficial conversation, yeah. right? You're yeah. just like focused on each other, yeah. which is Dang. the most fulfilling and, and like the happiest conversations happen then. I mean, hence why we have a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like a TV right there on the wall. <laughs> no, I, and like, 
Um, I I don't know. Maybe you can call, and maybe you guys can comment on this. Maybe you can call this burying your head in the sand. But obviously, when you go on social media and you see a bunch of people and all the incredible things they're doing, like you feel sad about yourself. And when you yeah. don't go on social media, you don't see that. So maybe that's like, oh, I feel happier when I'm not on social media because I'm not aware of all the great things other people are doing. I feel like that's not burying your head in the sand. And I feel like the resulting like bubbliness I feel when I haven't been on social media for a while, like, oh, I would like, I feel like that's invaluable, just feeling happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. I think that... I think both sides of this coin, okay? I'm very moderate in this because I see the greatness in social media. That's true. And I also I also see the, the bogged down side of it. And I was actually just talking to my roommate about this this morning. Um, like the algorithm within my, own, my social media is very to the things that I like. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't get a lot of, recently, I haven't got a lot of like, like things that I don't agree with or things that are like bothersome oh, to me or that's like true. Yeah, yeah. ratchet girls online. Or so, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get a ton of that because it just, it conforms to like my Christian love and like that's kids yeah, yeah, and yeah. like being organized and like stuff like that. And so I, I think social media is changing in that way that it, it changes to the oh, things I like. True. So it kind that's of, true. it makes me completely not even think about the other things. That's a good point. Which is a little bit of like naive for me because I'm like, the world's fine. Like, <laughs> they love family. Like, let me tell you, they're just strong relationships all around. But in reality, that's not true. That's just what I've seen on social media the last that's, couple uh, months. Yeah, that is And so I think that... I think that it's super, super helpful to like understand outside of our bubble, but it's also like bogged down on the fact that like totally. this world sucks. Like there are so many hard things in this world. And then I think that goes into like what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, Aaron, is how can we help? You know, well, mm. how can how can I help in this issue? And mm -hmm. I don't know if social media is the answer or if that's <laughs> going to do it, you know, but there's always a place for goodness in it as well yeah yeah absolutely there's yeah it's there's two sides to the coin and i think it's important to recognize whatever your algorithm gives you on any given day it's important to know like i might just be confirming my own biases here like certain things that pop in are most likely i'm going to agree with and there's a danger in that as well as like exactly having it be a healthy exactly thing. exactly i think something that popped into my head as we've been talking to will is being okay with boredom Right. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Stillness. Yeah, I know. And I that's and that's yeah, and that's presence in itself is being okay in your own thoughts, being still. I, I can't remember where I heard this before, but recently when I've been driving certain places, I'm just I just think to myself, I'm not gonna turn on music or a podcast mm -hmm. right yeah. now because I listen that's to hard to do. <laughs> it is, it is. I listen to podcasts nonstop. I'm a podcast junkie, especially when it comes oh, to like self help. <laughs> motivational <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> but it's been it's been really interesting like it's become more often for me when i hop into the car and i'm like i have a choice here i can either listen to a podcast mm -hmm. music or i can just kind of sit here in silence and it's kind of been relieving but i think that's an invitation for the spirit to come with you yeah to mm -hmm. be in silence because uh, sometimes i'm in silence and i'm like i I need this. I need it, but I'm going to go crazy. So I just <laughs> yeah. pray. I literally pray. <laughs> and I'm just talking oh. to God and I'm just, or I, a new thing I've been doing, I walk to work and I'll like 
just sing a hymn that I don't know at all. And I'll just sing it, but I'll sing it in the tune I want to sing it. So I'll just take the lyrics and I'll just sing it. But it's, it's very, it fills my mind with something that is good and not all the profanities of the world or all the, like, the hard stuff, you know? It's just happy. Totally, Talking about totally. Jesus, you know? Except the Temptus is raging. That song's really sad, but... <laughs> that song's a banger. It is a banger, but goodness. <laughs> it's just like a downer. <laughs> the Tempest is raging, master. Come help us. That's so funny. You were like, oh, like a hymn I don't know. So I was like, are you making up a hymn? Or like, <laughs> I could do that too. It's, it's my walk, Will. Let's do it. <laughs> Dang. So, Will, is there any other habits that you do intentionally on a daily basis or whether totally. it be daily or not? Yeah. So, yeah, and it's related to what we were just talking about. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that I probably started doing this most often in high school. Like, I remember when our family moved to Chicago, um, my sister and I, who had both moved, like she was at the end of middle school, I was in the middle of high school. And like, obviously it's like hard to move during high school, especially when there's like a huge difference in church culture. And so I remember we would go on drives a lot on Sundays in the Illinois cornfields. And and I just learned like the therapeutic power of just like talking it over with someone. And on my mission, I think I started, and I've learned that there's a better way to phrase this than just like, oh, I like talking to myself, like verbally processing. That's how mm. I've learned to, to phrase it. Um, but yeah, so I, I found that especially my sophomore year of college this last year, I was taking a really hard course load. Um, I had seen some relationship issues, which were like totally foundational shaking. And I found that it was almost invaluable the time that I had late at night walking home from the library, just being able to like talk through things aloud. Hmm. Um, yeah. And as I've kind of made a habit of it and and soon sometimes I feel like when I do have 15 minutes to walk around and just talk through things that I will totally have thoughts. And I was actually talking to someone recently who does the same thing and they're like, oh yeah, I totally consider that prayer. Like if I'm not just starting mm. formally with like dear yeah. heavenly father, like I totally consider that prayer and, and, um, and you can totally feel the spirit then. So I kind of, so I've developed that habit, especially as cinnamon tree is like 20 minutes away from BYU campus. And I realized, too, that, like, I would have these great thoughts in these moments of clarity and then, like, forget about it, like, 20 minutes later. So I feel like I've heard of people doing this, and it's one of those things where I think, okay, I get it. You're better than me. I'll do that one day. But I finally did it, um, and I bought a little notebook that I now keep with me more often than I keep my phone with me, and I'll just write down little thoughts. And it's almost like if you were to create a pyramid and at the bottom is all these random thoughts I have during the day that I write down. The next level of the pyramid is maybe as I go into write in my journal, I'll kind of look for a theme in all the thoughts I had and say, oh my gosh, I've been really thinking a lot about how I need to maybe be more confident and less fearful. And then as time passes, the next level of high up on the pyramid could be, whoa, I've been having this prompting over and over during the day. Hmm. So it's like this cool like filtration um, you know, writing down prompting system to, to receive promptings. And I feel like prophets... Sounds like a filtration of revelation. 
Oh, dang it. I should patent that. That would be <laughs> awesome. Filtration of re- revelation. I, I watched Blue's Clues when I was young. Did you guys watch that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've thought, like, oh, it's my handy-dandy notebook. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, no, I really like, because I feel like that's totally, like, yeah, it's, like, how revelation comes. And I feel, I've had the thought multiple times, like, when I'm, like, okay, I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to go to church today. I feel like if I do pull out the notebook and a pencil, and I'm, I'm showing God and Heavenly Father that, like, I will totally write down any thoughts you give me. I feel like that's totally a way to open up the floodgates even more. Because like, they'll trust you. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, shoot, you're going you're gonna to write this down. So I've, I've found that to be a great, a great how would you say it? Filtration, Filtration of, of revelation. revelation. Yeah, <laughs> I've, uh, I totally, like, I feel like it's a great way to organically pick up on on what heaven is trying to tell you. So I would totally recommend that. Mm. Um, find a find a thin notebook. Find a not pen because a pen will bleed <laughs> in your pocket. Um, so yeah, I've, do, I've found that to be invaluable. Why do you... Because you might have a different answer than I was thinking I would have. Oh, yeah. Um, but why do you think a constant flow of revelation daily is important. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like, so having worked in a scientific laboratory, um, like just a lab where you like use like test tubes and stuff on campus, like it's like it's totally not every day that you like, aha, you like hold up the <laughs> test tube to the light and you're like, I found it, the cure for cancer. You know, yeah. like it's totally, it's just like a little thing every day. And I feel like, yeah, if you were to take like a cross section of all the thoughts and promptings you have, like it's not very significant each day, but if you monitor it over time, you'll see like trends and... That's cool. Yeah, it's the consistency yeah. of it. Wait, so what, what were you thinking then? I was thinking more, like, I mean, I really, that's really cool though. Because it, 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 that's kind of how like capitalism works wait what you really you really just like spelled out like how does a business become successful they take little bits from little things over time and then they're successful oh yeah yeah yeah. and i think that's how revelation works and ever since my mission my mission president was huge into like learn how the spirit talks to you how is god talking Mm -hmm. to you what way has he talked to you today? And I'm like, he doesn't talk to me that often. It's like <laughs> once a week at church. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm supposed to be here telling these people, pray about it. God will tell you. So I'm like, what? Maybe. I don't know how to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so my relationship with God and praying, and I do very much the same thing, speaking out loud. Totally, totally. But that that relationship with revelation and daily revelation so that God can trust you with things because – we know that he is all-knowing, and when there's things that I don't know on this earth, this is how revelation yeah, helps. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to do organic chemistry, okay? <laughs> well, he'll help me do it. You know? <laughs> I found some of my most spiritual experiences in that stupid library. Oh, my gosh. Learning organic chemistry what? because it wasn't the teacher teaching me. He was a jerk and a half. He was not going <laughs> to teach me anything that I wasn't like, you're an idiot, you know? But it was really very much God talking to me, being like, this is how it goes, Braylon. Totally. Okay, calm down. Every- I know how this works. I made it happen, you know? And so I think that's the importance of revelation daily totally. all the time, every decision that you make, and not to a point where it's 
more of a point if that's your relationship with God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's very it's very much reality. Yes, I think, yeah. I think a uh-huh. lot of people. I was just talking to my friend the other day. Jesus is very much a reality to me. He's very much somebody I know. God is very much somebody I know. It's not just this fable that we've learned all of our lives. It's he's very organic in my life, which makes it more sincere and maybe less like unnecessary pressure but also like real devotion like you really want to yeah, do things exactly that's awesome dang that's, that's connection cool. right that's what we've been talking about that's connection. human that's connection that's and godly connection exactly <laughs> it's the best kind it's and i difference. think th- i want to echo as well what you said about consistency i think that's success leaves clues right like you said about businesses uh, yeah, anything yeah. i feel like any any place that anyone has ever become successful it's not like overnight totally it's little tiny choices Daily. made consistently over time that culminate in something amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Just like That's revelation. Right. You don't have these amazing revelatory experiences every day, but if you stay consistent, even when you're not having those amazing revelatory experiences, they will become <sighs> more frequent. Well, and then God knows God can trust you. It's like, I'm exactly, not going to, yeah. I'm not going to trust my life in the life of, or I'm not going to trust Aaron with my life when he's driving on the road. If I didn't know time and time again, Aaron's a safe driver. Aaron's a safe driver. It's like God. God's like, I know Braylon's going to do what I said because she did it last time. So I'm going to let her do it again. And like she can get this blessing from it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, he's, he's very much a human. He, he, he is, he's godly and he has evolved into something that we want to become. Right. And so we need to learn how to become like him. I love that. Okay. I have a question for you, Will. Yeah. What do you do on the days where you don't feel like doing the things that that you should? That is the question. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Um, yeah. So the days when you don't feel like just like, but like making good choices. You know, yeah, like what, whether it be following through with the habits that you've done. What if it's a Sunday and you're like, I really don't want to meal prep today. Or oh, if it's yeah. if you're walking to school and you're like, it's cold outside. I don't want to hold my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my pen and like, my notebook. Forget about it. I've done so much this week. I'm sick of it. I'm just gonna sit. So oh, what do you what do you lazy. do in the times where you're like, Dang. I don't want to do this right now? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's the quote that's like, oh, it's easier to go to the temple every week than every month. Or like maybe a comparison is like, oh, it's easier to wake up at six to go to the gym every day than every other day. And I feel like muscle memory does play a big role in it. Just like, yeah. like I matter. Yeah, like I, I feel like just because I've meal prepped so many Sundays, like, I, I don't know if like my physiological need for a nap has just been extinguished. <laughs> like, but like I, I, I feel I feel yeah, there really is something to habits and muscle memory. Um yeah, I'm trying to think like times when maybe times when I really have like failed in in doing what's right. <laughs> Any crimes I've committed. <laughs> have you ever been just like I want to be lazy today. That's a great question. Wait, so what, do you guys have any thoughts immediately right off the bat? Because I'm trying to think of... Because I feel like that's such a good question. Well, I think for me, I mean, you're, I'm very human. And there's days where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. Something that stuck out in conference, this last conference was yeah. Sister Craig's talk. Mm. And I can't remember the exact quote, but she's pretty much like, you still have to do the things you know you need to do to live a healthy life, even when you don't want to do them. Yeah. So even if maybe the intention of doing them purposefully mm-hmm. isn't necessarily there 
the action of doing it, kind of going along with what you're saying, this muscle memory, this consistency over time actually makes it easier. Yeah. I think sometimes I just need a break and I'll give it to myself. That's, yeah. And that's fair too. I think uh, that's, that's healthy and important as well. Uh, but it, it's very much like, cause, cause there comes a point of burnout. Yeah. That's also true. And like, you're not horrible for wanting to just chill. Yeah. You know? No, exactly. Yeah. And that's not even with like the habits that we've been talking about. That's just uh-huh. in general. Like, no, totally. Yeah. School's mm-hmm. really good for you and school's something you should do, but you could feel burned out. Totally. Yeah. And if you just need to take the L on the assignment. It's literally me right now. Take the L. <laughs> I feel like, so this doesn't answer your question, but along the same vein, <laughs> I feel like things maybe on the mission specifically that, I grew to develop this, uh, what's the word? When you, something that you rely on to help you out. Not an addiction. Dependence. Dependence. <laughs> Crutch. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Coping mechanism, kind of. I, I feel like as far as the things that fuel me up that I can do. Um, so I absolutely love, so I like, like most people in the church, like I played piano when I was younger. And so I, I can also like play the guitar like pretty, um, like I can play all the chords. I can't like, you know, like I can't do that, but, um, just like singing songs about like, I just anything that totally is released for me. And I feel like just like humor and, and just mm. laughing. Um, that's such a huge, like that totally fills up my tank and it's nice. Cause I do all my studying on campus so, and I actually oftentimes leave my backpack on campus. And then, so when I come home to the apartment, it's like totally compartmentalized mm-hmm. where when I'm at the apartment, it's just like, you know, metaphorically let my hair down and just like, oh my gosh, guess what I saw, you know, mm. on campus. And so, um, yeah, it really helps. I think having someone to joke around with makes all the difference yeah. for me. It's I, I, I love that so much. And I think there's something to be said about habit stacking too, right? You develop a habit, becomes routine, you get consistent with it, uh, boom, you implement another one. And I feel like this, I mean, it might be different in your situation, but that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. It's like, yeah, I have yeah. these things and they work for me and you do them so much and then you implement something else Yeah, totally. and you get healthier and happier mm-hmm. over time. Even if it does take probably extraordinary amounts of effort and work in the beginning in time. to implement it. Right. I mean, just to work your schedule around not having your backpack at home or not having your phone at home. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it is takes a, planning. It mm-hmm. is a lot yeah, of yeah. work, but to live a healthy and happy life, totally. a consistently healthy and happy life yeah. full of true connection. I feel like it does take work mm-hmm. and sacrifice. I agree. Wow. Powerful. Um, one thought to, and the, uh, yeah, I think this is related to just like the general idea of like working a lot. So I know, so you, you, Braylon, you said you took organic chemistry? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I know, I know like that year that I took organic chemistry, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't like keep doing this. This Worst is, class in the world. yeah, yeah, totally just like weeder class and really hard. And I don't know. I know that especially thinking down the road about like, oh, like I want to be a physician, um, which involves like, you know, a lot of work and a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like work-life balance, like say goodbye to your 20s and 30s, you know, <laughs> and and like, uh, I don't know, a thought I've had and I love to hear your guys' thoughts too, is like, I feel like one principle that's true that gets especially twisted in our day and age is like 
life doesn't owe you like an Instagram perfect Lake Powell trip every weekend, yeah. you know? Mm. And I feel like Amen accepting, like, I feel like, like accepting that and being okay with like, dang, you have to grind to get ahead yeah. or you have to grind to even just like stay afloat, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, like, like, I feel like that's a myth that exists that like, oh, you know, it's all about, not that balance is bad, but like always having balance and always being well rested. Like, I feel like one thing that is true is that like to live in the world, you know, but not of the world, there are some like, dues that you have to pay and you do have to like put your nose to the grindstone you know night after night to kind of to to be fine and i feel like there's like this idea or this there's like dialogue floating around that's like oh my gosh you're working too hard you know you know mm, balance, but there balance, is such balance. a thing as burnout so it's okay it's okay to not be balanced mm -hmm. that i'm freaking fired up right now yeah. after hearing that well in there's a book called the seven habits of highly effective people oh, right. um Stephen covey yeah uh he talks about that and he talks about like your like being effective is very much includes all of these things if you if you are super great in one doesn't mean you're horrible in all of them you know mm, it's yeah, just, yeah. it kind of will compensate over time with your effort and with your time um, but like, what is your goal? What is your priority? And like, if these things aren't, then, then that's not going to make you happy, obviously. But it's like that grind needs to happen if you want to make this goal, you yeah, know, exactly. it's not going to be given to you. You got to do exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's all about priorities is where balance becomes unnecessary because your your priority and your balance is dependent mm. on you it's not oh, yeah. you're not going to get what you want until you know what you want exactly and become aware of the price you're willing to pay for it mm -hmm. that's right yeah. right dang will uh, that, was awesome. Bray, that was awesome brave that was awesome feelings inside yeah. well, i think we're i think we're ready for yeah do you want to send it, Ray? I feel like it's tradition now that you ask this question. Oh, gosh. Okay. So with our whole conversation today, Will, mm -hmm. what is one thing that you would like to point out to our listeners that you would like to bring into the light about? Could have been your COVID mission. It could be your habits that you've developed. Just one thing, if you gave someone like, here, here's the takeaway to this oh, podcast. Yeah. Okay. What would you say it would be? Um. Yeah, I feel like something that I've been thinking a lot about recently is just like it is invaluable like regardless of if you have some injury or sickness or whether you're pursuing popularity or um, like career success like one thing I've thought about a lot is like I think one of the most invaluable things to me is how I feel internally and can I think clearly and kind of structuring life around that? So mm. I, I feel good about myself and I can think clearly when I've eaten well, when I'm not on my phone a lot, um, and when I can like laugh with friends and such. So I feel like that is something I think about a lot. It's like, well, maybe if these parts of my life aren't going super well, but I still you know, feel bubbly inside or I feel good about myself, like that's invaluable and I feel like it bleeds through into other areas of your life. Mm, 
love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on, Will. Uh, this is really that's cool. That's awesome, Will. Just because uh, it's different than anything else we've done. It's I need to hear a lot of those things, too. Uh, yeah. It's very uplifting. <laughs> Will, you're the man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you guys for coming. Alrighty, that'll do it for this that'll week. That'll do it, folks. Thanks for listening. We love you all. See you next week. Bye.